What's good, everybody? Uh, we are back for another edition of Champagne Room Hoops podcast, brought to you by the good folks at New Amendment. Uh, as part of the Beyond the Big Ten podcast network, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at Beyond the Big Ten. Also, make sure to follow along on all social media, Twitter, IG, and TikTok with the handle at Beyond the Big Ten. Again, I'm former Illini point guard Sam Maniscalco, uh, joined by Illini legend Brandon Paul and former multiple-time Maddo winner Bill Cole. Uh, thanks again for joining us. What's good with you two? It's been a while um, since we've been on the last few weeks. Sam, what's good, man? Uh, nothing really. Um, just hanging out, working, watching a lot of Illinois basketball, trying to get caught up for this podcast. So just kind of waiting for it to get warm again in Illinois so I can go hit the links. I hear that. It's good to see you boys, man. I'm good. I'm still out here in Germany uh, playing. We just had a game tonight. Big win for us. Uh, I think it solidified our spot as tied and first in our Euro Cup group. Um, played another former Chicago guy in Derek Needham. You guys remember that guy? Good dude. Good dude. He's playing at a high level right now. He played at Dayless South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago kid. Um, but I'm enjoying it out here, man. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm the rookie. And the vet out here, you know, I'm just trying to show these guys the ropes and uh, trying to help them along the way. And I'm 31, feeling like I'm 34, 35 years old, 10 years deep in the game. So uh, it's definitely a blessing to keep playing this game, you know. How'd you play? Play well, man. I shot six for nine from three. Thank you for asking. Um, Finishing right. 19. And, and Matt Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to channel my own Matt Meyer in there. So uh, I caught I caught fire in the second half for sure. That's what's up, man. Bill, you ever go six for nine from three? Uh, n- uh, depends what level you're asking about. <laughs> definitely at Peoria. Uh, I think right, I man. think uh, definitely had, uh, had a few Richwoods games where I was going crazy against like Lake Zurich with a bunch of five seven <laughs> dudes trying to guard me. Lake and then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, I think I had uh, two five for five games. Uh, my career highs at Illinois, both fifteen points, where I lead. You know, just. Act like you're allergic to the lane. <laughs> five for five from three? Uh, I was definitely five for five against Minnesota. I think maybe the other one was like four for five. Some elite shooting, that, man. That, yeah, elite shooting. clip, too. All right, so, so last we talked um, a couple weeks ago. It's been a while. There's been three games since. So let's get into a little bit of the X's and O's on the last few um, Illini games. So it's, it's been a while since we've been on, and, and last time we talked, uh, we were all together um, – the line now we're reeling off a, off of a bad um, rivalry loss, you know, versus Indiana at home. So mm-hmm. we talked about them, you know, having to take care of business um, versus an Ohio State team uh, that was coming off a few losses themselves, um, get some home cooking, and they did that. Um, but I think the big one um, is Wisconsin, right? So uh, a rematch versus Wisconsin, the first time um, at the state at State Farm Center in, in Champaign. Um, Illini kind of got off the schneid and, and beat Wisconsin in a, in a good game, one that they needed. Uh, but Wisconsin didn't have their best player, Tyler Wall. So uh, go back to Wisconsin, Saturday afternoon game, um, an interesting game, almost like a tale of two halves, right? You have yeah. your, which they, I think they said the lowest scoring um, half in the Big Ten thus far this year. Um, and then the second half, obviously, you know, Matt Myers' story, which we can get into, but I, I thought a just a good, good quality win on the road at a place like Wisconsin. Um, Bill, what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, you hit it uh, historically. I mean, since we've all been playing at least like really strong program, 
they try and take the air out of the ball. They try and nullify what um, what your team visiting there can do athletically. And I think I thought I was a little nervous for this game just with Tyler Wall being back. You touched on that. Um, I watched a couple of his games in the non-conference. I thought he he's just a phenomenal player, and, and we kind of nullified him this game. Um, our defense, you know, now it's firmly within that top ten in the country. I think it, it just shut them down, and it allows our offense to kind of get into flow, right? Because we all know we're a very streaky offensive team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not necessarily a, a great shooting team, but we can use our defense to create a lot of shots and create a lot of opportunities on the break. Um, and then second half, I thought Coach Underwood's adjustments, um, whatever he said to them at halftime, just kind of allowed them to to mentally lock in. I also think, um, you know, one thing I – I didn't touch on the first time around was, um, you know, was that that Klesman or Klesbit is the, uh, I I saw him talking a little junk to Matt Meyer. And I just think that was a really, really poor idea. Um, You know, we've all heard the term like, why do it if you don't have to, don't, don't wake the sleeping dragon. And he's just too talented of a player. You could see him kind of lock in and he hit some just monster shots. Uh, You know, even this, this whole three game stretch we're going to talk about today. I just think he's been phenomenal. So maybe there was, a lot to his uh, flu flu game performance against Indiana <laughs> because he he looks uh, he looks stronger than ever right now. Yeah, I mean this, like you said, Bill. Like he came out with a chip on his shoulder, and he's been on the stage before, right? Get into the championship and his years with Baylor, and uh, he's not a, he's not afraid of the, of the spotlight. And when he comes out and he's playing with that much confidence, he's he's one of the only players where you can look and he takes maybe a tough shot, maybe a shot you might not want. And you look the other way just because you know he's capable of making that type of shot. And he came out, put the team on his back, made some tough plays. Uh, and and every time that he hit a shot or even when he got a good look, whether it went in or not, you could see his confidence building. And the team recognized that and they and they see that and they respect him for that. So, you know, hats off to Illini for, for figuring that out. And I think they're just a, a step closer to where they need to be as far as shot selection, um, you know, it seems like at times they let teams off the hook. You know, they're winning these games, and I feel like they have another step to take where they, they, they can take over, and it, it comes down to shot selection. And for me, shot selection and free throw shooting. You know, if they start knocking down more free throws, they start valuing, valuing possessions a little bit more, um, they got another level where they're, they're 10, 15 points better than each team that they play. And it, and it's the Big Ten, so it's, it's only going to get tougher from here. Um, but definitely good few games that we got to see uh, over the last week yeah and obviously the, the story in the Wisconsin game is obviously you know Matt Meyer but a very underrated um, part of that game I want to give a shout out to, to Dane Danger because in the first half um, Taron Shannon Jr. is out with two fouls they got nothing going offensively he had a spurt where he scored eight straight points that kind of kept him at bay. Now, granted, they were doing a good job on Wisconsin defensively, so they weren't exactly scoring at will uh, either, but um, I thought he just did a good job of, of keeping them close, keeping them in the game, uh, keeping them rolling with some sort of a rhythm, and then obviously the second half is the second half. But um, one thing I want to mention, and, and we've talked about it on previous podcasts, and Brandon, you kind of just touched on it, is we've mentioned this role-defining you know, throughout these podcasts and throughout the season for these guys. And it's so much more evident now that roles are so much more defined, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to attribute some of it to, which which I think we 
glossed over a little bit. Before Ohio State, Sincere Harris was starting at point guard. Um, and, and no offense um, or no no knock on Sincere Harris, but I don't think he's a point guard. I don't think he's a starting point guard. Um, Jaden Epps obviously is the guy that needs to have the ball in his hands and needs to be running the show, especially with the way he can score the basketball. I think when starting games with, with Jaden at the point, it just opens up so much more stuff for other guys to get rolling, and they just have more cohesion, more of a rhythm. But the roles have just been defined, right? Since Matt Meyer has, has emerged, him and Terrence has, have emerged as the engines kind of that make this offense go. Um, Ty Rogers has emerged as a glue guy, a great glue guy off yeah. the bench. Um, Sincere Harris now is more in his natural role of coming off the bench, providing energy, um, getting into guys defensively and disrupting other teams. Um, Coleman Hawkins even looks more comfortable, not trying to do too much, kind of playing off the others. Um, so I just think role defining has come a long way, you know, over the last few weeks since we've been talking. For sure. The, 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 the energy guys off the bench, right? I think that's where sincere Harris is, is at his best. Like, uh, last night in the Nebraska game, when he can create things with his defense and really push the ball, I think that's what, uh, we miss a lot of when we're really bad on offense is we kind of like walk the ball up the floor and then it tends to it just sticks in some person's hand, and then there, you get that that shot hunting that you see from from some of the, like the big three, like the Big Twelve transfers, right? And I think you know I love a statistician, to, and maybe I'm just like biased to Bruce Weber basketball, but like really like getting that first outlet pass pushed up the floor and flattening out the defense. Um, I think every time we do that, we get a much better shot. I think, and it's it's tough to do that early on in games, right? Because the other team is so fresh. They're so locked in defensively those first couple possessions. So I do I, I do agree with you, Sam. I think it's a very natural switch um, to switch Jaden Epps, who's more of like a technical player. Um, I'm I'm just like I'm in love with his game. I I just don't remember a freshman maybe since since Brandon obviously that I was like so such a natural scorer and some of those plays he makes in big time moments, cutting to the rim when we need a basket. Um, I love Dane Danger. You touched on that as well. I think. I think it's so interesting. He just seems like he's not a Big Ten big, which I think is really good, if that yeah. makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. I think some of the bigs in the Big Ten, they get recruited because they're 7-1 and they're huge and they don't move very well. And then you just see this guy that's like dropped into this conference and it's yeah. almost um, the ability for him to just throw this this post-arsenal where it's really – I think someone said he was like leading the Big Ten in, in, shot, in field goal percentage – he doesn't take a ton of shots, but when he takes them, he makes them. He's, he, he puts people on islands down in the, in the post. And I, mm-hmm. I just really love the setup um, and the recruiting, uh, this freshman class. I think all hats off to uh, Coach Underwood. There's a lot to criticize this year, but his team building and his talent uh, selection for what he wants to do, um, just super impressive. Yeah, I mean, to the staff and the scouting and the, and the recruitment, I mean, these guys know how to play. Like you said, Jaden Epps. Uh, for me, he had a much, much higher basketball IQ than I did as a freshman, for sure. It's not even close. He knows the right plays to make. He knows when he needs to drive the ball, knows when to shoot the ball. And, you know, for me, I, I used to just – I was so talented enough to, to get something done, but he just knows where to pick his, you know, to pick his spots. Bet, backing up from Dane Danger, like he's if – you, if you put his skill set next to, a, like, any big in the NBA right now, He's more skillful than a lot of the bigs in the NBA because, you know, a lot of these bigs want to p- pick and pop. They want to step outside, obviously outside of the like, Jokic and and uh, Embiid. Like, this guy is so talented in the post. He can go to either side. 
He reads the the defense. He knows what they're giving him, and he doesn't he doesn't force anything. And I think they need to go to him a little bit more. You know, there's some possessions where he might not touch it when they're trying to look at him, and he'll still find a way to be around the ball. You know, he'll wait for the shot to go up, and he'll just get in this position. So, you know, hats off to him. But I'm really excited about how well these guys have recruited. And you you look at the bench, like you said, we talked about Ty Rogers. And I spoke about it a few podcasts ago about him sitting a little bit, watching the game, letting the game come to him. And now he's coming in the game. He's making a lot less mistakes. And he this guy is this guy is so good. He's his the ceiling is high for him. The ceiling is high. He goes out, he defends who it, whoever he needs defends, one through four. Um, you know, once he develops a jump shot, you know, I heard Stephen Bartle talk about it in the last game. When this kid develops a jump shot, he's going to be on a lot of NBA radars. And, uh, you know, Sincere Harris, he's, he's a game changer. He comes in the game, defends. Sammy, I know you said that he, he's not a point guard, but he, he can't. He's not a shooting guard because he can't really shoot the ball. He's playing point guards like technically by committee. Right. Like he comes in, sure. he has the size. He has the, the speed to to pressure guards. And he, he brings so much tenacity on uh, on defense. He's, he's one of those guys that can has the ability to change the game. Yeah, and I think, which I mentioned in a lot of previous podcasts, my biggest gripe with, with this season, especially on the offensive end, was that it was kind of helter-skelter mm-hmm. and there wasn't enough sets being called to get these guys in positions to be successful. Right. Um, and and it, to me, it's like the opposite now. I thought, especially in that Wisconsin game, the start of the second half, I think five or six possessions in a row, they ran a rub screen. They ran an entry to either Terrence Shannon or Matt Meyer, and they ran a rub screen for Dane Deja to come out and set a high ball screen with space. Um, so that's an example of putting those two guys, your two best offensive threats, um, in a position to be successful. And I love that he did it five times in a row, right? Because they had success. And even if they didn't have success, they either got a good look or got something going in some kind of rhythm offensively. Um, so I'm seeing more of that, which I know is, is what we kind of called for. Um, and then, you know, the shot attempts. Meyer shoots 19 times versus Wisconsin. That's how it should be. I'm not saying he should shoot 19 times every game, but him and, and, and Terrence Shannon Jr. are – the two guys that are capable of getting you 25 to 30 right so mm-hmm. they got to have the most shot attempts so I, I just see a more cohesive unit and like you said though um hats off to underwood the way he's managed this season because three weeks ago we're sitting on here talking about the sky falling after they lose to northwestern and we're owing three in the big 10 and then all of a sudden two and a half weeks later we look up and they've won six of their last seven games and they're now seven and four and basically tied for second in the big 10 so mm-hmm. it just goes to show you that like patience is 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 key for for college basketball and especially a new team. For sure, I do think the uh, maybe the scary part for me is I just quickly looked at it. I think who we haven't played yet in the Big Ten scares me a little bit. Um, right now, we've just beaten up on the bottom half of the Big Ten. When you split it into top seven versus bottom seven, we're zero and three against the top seven, and we're seven and one against the bottom seven. Right. So um, I know we're going to get into it here, but. You know, a lot of that is chicken and the egg too. That some of those teams in the bottom seven, if we didn't beat them twice already, would would try would probably be higher up. So um, I think there's there's a lot of been there's a lot of pluses that have happened so far in the Big Ten. There's a lot of negatives, and it's just a matter of um, for me, it's all shot selection. And then it's one thing, Brandon. Already, there's two things where um, we're worse than 300th in the country, in, right? And that's 
three-point field goal percentage and free throw percentage. Uh, and that just shocks me. And our defense and our rebounding and uh, like two toughness stats are, are top 20. Um, so those are what you're going to hang your hat on in these big games coming up. Um, so it's just going to be a really – I still am not sure we know exactly what we have as far as like long-term projections. Is this going to be a Sweet 16 caliber team? I just don't know. The Big Ten's so confusing to watch yeah. this year. There's a ton, There's Purdue, and then there's just a, a bunch of teams that can beat anybody. Yeah. Bill, you said we're 0-3 in the top seven and 7-1 seven and one in the bottom seven. Is that is that where Correct. we are right now? Yeah, that's – I mean, that's a good point to yeah. make. You know, obviously, you could look at it on one side where you're winning the games you're supposed to win, right? But on the flip side, it's like, all right, when these tougher teams come to play, we got to figure something out to, to kind of notch some of these wins. And I think, like you just said – some of it is going to be <clears throat> going to come down to free throw shooting, you know, especially down the stretch. Teams are going to scout. Teams are going to watch film. They're going to look at statistics. They're going to say these guys are not good at the free throw line. Uh, worst comes the worst foul and put on the line and let's get an extra possession, you know, and shot selection, three-point shooting. When, when our shot selection is questionable, we're taking a lot of ill-advised threes. You know, we're taking a lot of uh, – Pass, pass. We don't get anything. Okay, let's try to heave something and, 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 and hope for a prayer. And I think we're letting teams off the hook when we do this, you know, because we're so talented. You got guys that can get to the basket, guys that can make plays. I don't know what it is, but, you know, once they figure that out where they don't have to put themselves in that position, it's going to be a scary night for other Big Ten teams for sure because you're going to really have to guard us like that, you know? I think they also do a good job of – because you guys remember when you're playing, if you're, if you're not rolling offensively and you're really, really struggling offensively, that'll affect your defense um, just emotionally, right? I, I think they do a really good job of not letting what happens on the offensive end really affect their defense. Um, and that's a credit to to the coaching staff and, and the players, right? They're, they, they, they guard for 40 minutes. Um, I haven't seen a game lately where you see them kind of lackadaisical defensively or making too many defensive mistakes when they're struggling offensively and that kind of stuff bodes well for for basketball in March yeah for sure I think the thing with this team is like you know they say styles make fights like the the matchups this team is so matchup dependent to in my eyes like I said it before but like it just hops off the page when I see the Wisconsin game I see the Nebraska game I see the Ohio State game I see three really slow but physical teams and those those teams with those guards that can like just kind of naturally keep anything out of the lane and force tough shots those are the those are the teams that that give us fits you think of the missouris of the world um, that beat us pretty good so I, I think i'm really looking forward to this next slate of games especially iowa i think athletically they're going to match up pretty well with us mm-hmm. um it, it just be it'll be interesting i think it's the season's still undecided we don't know it's going to be a really successful season. It's just not obvious to me where where we end up, and it's so exciting to watch. Last thing I want to Bill, say that is, leads us right into our. Oh, I was just want to say, oh, go ahead, RJ, RJ Melendez. He made a pro move the other game where he made like a a double oh, jab yeah. step, the, one dr- run dunk. dribble, change direction, dunk, sleeper. Like he he he's so talented, and he hasn't played. I'm sure, you know, just speaking as a player, I know he hasn't played as well as he wanted to play as far as shooting. Uh, you know, shooting has dropped, but, you know, he has a great form, and I feel like he's due for a big one. And once he gets that big one, I think it's going to be smooth sailing for him, you know, down the stretch. So I'm excited to he's, see what he does next. He's so bouncy, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Like, he's such a natural slasher. 
he can obviously shoot, but he's he's really struggled shooting the last couple of games. Yeah. You could tell they're almost like just shoot it every time. Yeah, you know that you know they did that to me a couple of times. I'm sure Brandon's been there where your teammates are just like just keep shooting, like you'll yeah. eventually shoot through it. But right, right now it's it's tough to see. Uh, you know we all know he's a shooter. We're just not seeing it in the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is like so bouncy. The second he gets a step on a defender, it is like it's highlight show time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think he's he he just like. Back to the point of, of roles being defined, he just seems, even though he's not shooting well, he just seems more comfortable in, like, when he gets in the game and he gets his mm-hmm. 18 to 22 minutes, he's more confident in, in what he's doing. He's making more positive plays than negative plays. Right. Um, and off the bench, like, he, he just, they all seem more comfortable in the roles right now. Yeah. That's took what two I charge, Took two charges right. last night in the Nebraska game. Shout out to the Matto Award. Um, mm-hmm. Sam said it earlier. So, like, yeah, he's that type of player, right? So, Eventually, if he starts sprinkling in the threes on top of everything he does, he's he's one of those guys that, you know, he rules the plus-minus charts. And then it, I'm interested to hear your guys' opinion because one thing we haven't brought up so far all, in all of our episodes is where Luke Goody fits in when he comes back. I mean, everyone says he's like, you know, everyone who knows something about the program internally says he's probably the best shooter, shooter on the roster. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it is tough. You know, you sit out the whole entire year and try and come back in the middle of the Big Ten after some of these roles get defined, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens there with him. Well, like you said, it's going to be tough, especially this this far along in the season. But I think any kind of positive shooting <laughs> yeah. that this team can get from beyond the arc is just going to be a good thing, and it's just going to open up things for everybody else. Um, but it will be interesting to see how he, you know, because he, he's already shortened his rotation, Underwood has, Um so it'll be interesting to see how he, how he fits in and, and where whose minutes you know he, he takes. He's got a year of experience under his belt, so that's obviously a, a positive for him. And he's not going to be afraid of the moment. But you know how it is, like when you're sitting out. I, I went through it, sitting out games, multiple games at a time. It's conditioning and rhythm. I was a rhythm player, so if I if I wasn't playing or practicing for a few weeks, it's it's really really hard to. Yeah. To get back in rhythm, you know, I'm sure it was different for you, Brandon, as you're obviously a more more natural athlete and it might have been easier. But some guys, it, it takes time to get back in shape, back in rhythm, and it's tough to do in the middle of the season. Yeah, and I think you look at who he's going to have to try and come back against, right? And who we haven't played yet, Purdue, Michigan, Iowa, Rutgers. You want to talk about – uh, Fire. Yeah, you want to talk about like – just absolute physical physical wars that you're going to have to try and ease yourself back in to the rotation. I just don't know. It, I, I, it'll be really, really interesting to see how, how Underwood handles inserting him into the lineup. I think, Sam, you hit on it. When, you're, you know, when we're 300th plus in the country in three-point percentage, I didn't even know there was 300 teams in the country. Like, that's absurd. Like you, it, uh, No, I think there's like – I think maybe there's 315 or something like that. Um uh, but I, I think he has to give it a shot because if he's the type of guy that's going to shoot, you know, 40% plus, um, like which I think he's capable of doing mm-hmm, from mm-hmm. everything we hear, I just think you can't leave him off. He's exactly what this team needs. But is it is it too deep into the season after a foot injury to try and work, work through some things? They probably, you know, they probably can't afford that um, yeah. as far as like a roster role-defining thing goes at this point. Yeah, I want to talk a, touch a little bit on last night, uh, the rematch versus Nebraska. Um, that's a, another scary kind of trap game, like we've talked about in, in previous pods, coming off a big win at Wisconsin. Um, 
shout out to the freshmen, right? Second half. And I thought it was interesting um, in Bardo actually interviewed Underwood about this after the game. Did you guys notice that at halftime, Underwood, there was, I saw it on Twitter too, Underwood came out with like eight minutes left on the halftime clock and was sitting on the bench by himself with a clipboard. He wasn't in the locker room, which you never, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, and he interviewed, Bardo asked him about that after the game. And he's like, well, I follow them. Usually he said at halftime, he gives the players a few minutes, the coaches talk, and then he goes in there and gives his spiel. He said he followed them right in the locker room right after like all the players mm-hmm. had 30 seconds of, of some stuff to say and then walked out to the bench and let them you know and that that that's that's a good sign of of some leadership right maybe the locker room you know he's pissed off and he goes in there and lights them up and walks out and they come out in the second half with a much better energy and attitude about him also props to underwood for knowing his team and finding different ways to motivate throughout a long grueling you know big 10 season yeah, I think silence sometimes can be like almost like when your parent is like more disappointed in you than yeah. mad at you, right? Um, I, Brandon, I think back, and I know you were on this team. My junior year, we played at Clemson in the uh, yeah. Big Ten ACC, and we were down like we were down twenty two points, yeah. twenty three points at halftime. It was the only game in my career where Bruce just came in and he just sat there, yeah. and we were down twenty three points in the ACC Big Ten Challenge at halftime. And he just sat there, didn't say a word. And to this day, it's stuck in my mind because we came out there and had the, the biggest comeback that I've ever been a part of. Yeah. And we won, we won the game down 23 at half. Um, and he, he literally just came in and sat there. And I thought that was, you know, you can't use that trick all the time or else you're kind of just, you know, you're letting stuff go. Right. But I thought, um, you know, at this point in the season, sometimes coaches have been yelling so much that you can start Turn to – Right. And so you need to change the strategy a little bit. And they did. They come out. They they do come out flat a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. So you think about Wisconsin, how many points they had in the first five minutes. I think it was like two or four. Um, you think about last night against Nebraska, um, the, the their point guard, the, their taller point guard. Was it Greisel or yeah, I don't know? He's a good player. Yeah, he was he was kind of getting off a little bit. Um, they just needed some energy. And I think, you know, you guys have both touched on it. But I thought Ty Rogers, he got put on him and kind of shut him down. His defense energy. Rebound. He had like four or five offensive rebounds. Six, yeah. I think. Oh, did he have six? Yeah, in the game, in the box score. Yeah, just. But um, just the energy guys that came off the bench, and, and I know Underwood was super um, complimentary of of sincere Harris and um, Ty Rogers. I think they kind of. Sometimes you need that just to wake your team up and wake some of the older guys. Sometimes it's too easy to, you know, you've just done it so much you don't get too mm-hmm. worked up about anything. Um, and you can come out and maybe start slow and, and get certain games that's going to hurt you. So I'd like to see them get that corrected. Now, those yeah. three freshmen last night completely changed the game in the second half. I mean, it was evident. Um, and I would say of those three, Jaden, like we've talked about, I haven't had an, a, a moment this year in watching Illinois and said, like, oh, like, Sincere Harris a few times, Ty Rogers, you can tell they, they make some freshman mistakes. Um, you know, you could see it. I haven't said that once about Jaden all year. Like, I haven't been like, oh, that's, you know, that's just a freshman mistake there. I'll learn from that. He's been, he plays like an upperclassman. Mm-hmm. But those like three you. last night, I mean, you got to give a shout out to those guys because I think that they were the the deciding factor in the second half of that game. No doubt about it. Jaden's IQ is next level. Like, he's, like you just said, he plays like an upperclassman. Yep. He plays with a chip on his shoulder every night. He goes out there, he's fearless. And, you know, just just with a little bit of more experience, Bill, you talked about it a few podcasts ago, like he's player of the year type of candidate where he's just he's out there and he's 
he's not out there trying to do too much. Like he, he's, it's not like he's out there trying to make too many plays. He's just playing basketball. And you can tell players like that, uh, they just get it, you know, whether he's watching film, whether he's just, he's just at home at, by himself watching the game and, and, and seeing what other players do. You can tell that he's, he, he's just, he's a player that wants to get to the next level. And speaking about the, the Clemson game, like, you know, I think we had the record for the comeback in Illinois history for damn near a decade until I want to say one of the teams under what has coached the last few years broke it. I don't remember which game this was, but they were down a lot, you know, and they came back and won it. Um, but another big win you can add to the to the column and, and another win that you say a win that you're supposed to take, you know, a win that you're supposed to. Uh, add to the collection so that you can steal a couple around the world and at the end of the year you're like okay we feel good about the position we're in so let's transition to a a little bit of a scouting report so uh, next game uh, Iowa on the road Um, you guys can both talk a little bit about playing at at Iowa Um, they're the highest scoring team in the Big Ten this year Um, I feel like Iowa didn't used to be so I I feel like the last six to eight years uh, McCaffrey's really changed the, their their style, and they really, I mean, they get up and down and they score. And they got uh, Chris Murray, who's the second leading scorer in the Big Ten, I think, uh, behind Edie. Um, five guys averaging double figures. That's pretty rare for a college basketball team. So here's another challenge, right? On the road at Iowa, um, a game you're quote unquote supposed to win. Um, how do you approach that one? Yeah. So, I mean, you touched on it. Fran McCaffrey's a hell of a coach, right? This is also one of those games where they probably they kind of look at us as their rivalry. Mm-hmm. I don't think we think too much of of them as our as one of our hurt. rivals. Yeah, um, but no, I mean Indiana says that about us, right? Like they're rivals Purdue, but we always get up for that game. Um, I think there's a really similar vibe when you go to Iowa. Their fans, a lot of their um, students applied to Illinois and couldn't get in and ended up having to go to Illinois or Iowa, excuse me. Um, and so there's that. There's like a little hatred there. Fran McCaffrey. I mean, I got to play against Licklider my freshman or sophomore year, and he like their program was down in the dumps. Mm-hmm. Like the second that McCaffrey got there, you just all of a sudden the Iowa games weren't just like a, an easy walkover victory anymore. Um, and so I, I always have a lot of respect for him as a coach, what he's been able to do with that program. Um, you know, his son is back after an extended ab- absence for mental health, and he hit uh, three threes in his first game back, I believe. Um, then you've got, you know, Keegan Murray's little brother, you know, just uh, 2.0, just scoring machine in all different mm-hmm. type of ways. So really interested. This is one of those top half of the Big Ten games. Um, so you get started off with like kind of the mid tier of the top half. Really, uh, really interested to see how this plays out. I just looked at the roster. Is this the first year in like 12 years there's not a Bohannon on the team? <laughs> I mean, yeah. am, am I wrong? Do you guys feel the same way? Like every single... Year I, I watch Iowa, there's, there's I a think it's a requirement right? for the basketball team. Yeah. They need well, to yeah, have they, one every like three, four years. Otherwise was that the they same one? Play. I think he was just there for like six years. Because uh, I played against the Bohannon at Wisconsin for a couple of years. Yeah, I think I that was his, know, I, but I just I remembered Bohannon. I think that was his Bohannon brother. <laughs> there's never been a <laughs> Bohannon in threes, NCAA bro. basketball that hasn't went to Wisconsin or Iowa. Let's just be oh, honest. Oh, yeah, for sure. Never. That's like, yeah, the Corn Belt is the Bohannon basketball capital of the world. So, yeah. so Brandon, what's two? Let's pick out like two things you you want to see from this Illinois team in this in this Iowa game. Um, you know, like you just said, Bill, it's a game you're supposed to win. Um, 
McCaffrey, he's 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 an intense coach. You know, he's he's on them all game. Kind of kind of similar to like like I said before, like a European style coach, where very animated, but he knows his stuff. He knows his X's and O's. I need to see Illinois come out there and have a better shot selection. I just want to see one game where they're not out there playing like hot potato at the end of the shot clock. You know, where just they're looking for a shot. They're talented enough to do it and still, you know, battle out a win. But I want to see them, you know, they, they don't need sets every single time down the court. They're so talented. They don't need a set to score. They got Terrence Shannon. They got Matt Meyer. They got Dane Danger. They got Jaden Apps that are, they're all capable of making plays by themselves, whether it's in transition, whether they're breaking down plays. I want to see when, when, the sh- when, when things aren't going their way, you know, uh, when, when stuff starts to get ugly, Iowa goes on a run. I want to see them kind of compose themselves and, and make Iowa pay, make them play a full shot clock, kind of like what a Northwestern might do to you or what a Wisconsin might do to you, you know? And uh, I think if they, if they do that, if they solidify themselves at the free throw line, um, they're going to go out there and take care of business like they're supposed to. Yeah, and it's such a different team, this Illinois team, than than previous years because if you think the last few years, pretty much – they went as Iowa went, right? And then last year, it's really like they rode Kofi so much that, like, when that failed and teams were able to combat him, they didn't really have, you know, anything else to go to, right? Mm-hmm. I think the difference in this team is they can beat you in different ways, which I've seen a lot of the last few weeks a la Wisconsin. Taron Shannon Jr., best player, goes down with two fouls. Dane picks him up. Um, last night versus Nebraska, three freshmen come in and changed, completely changed the game defensively, and they squeak out that win, right? So it's not necess- It's almost like every every game's a different movie, right? A different picture, um, which I, I think is a good thing because the later you get in the season, um, you're going to have to find different ways to scratch and claw and win games, and, and they've proven that they can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um versus riding one guy and if he doesn't play well or two guys and they don't play well, you have no chance of winning. They've yeah. proven that if their top dogs aren't playing as well as um they'd want them to be, that they find other ways to win basketball games. And and that's that's a that's a big deal in this conference. Yeah, for sure. I think I would just add uh two things I really want to see. One, push the ball. Push it down their throats. Like I don't care if it's a made basket or a missed basket, just get the ball, get it down to Dane and let him kick it back out and let it touch both wings. Um, like, God, there were some plays in that Nebraska game last night where when we when we shot, we're like naturally good ball fakers and shot fakers. We use that to get in the lane. And when, it, when we don't just use it to fire it up, when we use it to like make a man help and then push it out, the shots, like they fall. Like when we're two feet on the ground and set, our three-point shooting is actually good despite what the percentages say. Um, so I want to see them push the ball. I think that's so important, especially for when uh, Sincere's in the game. I think that would put my number one and then maybe fast start, right? I think Iowa's the type of place with that atmosphere, with that coach. Um, if you if you get down five to ten points in that first half, it's going to be a really tough mountain to climb coming mm-hmm. back. And I just haven't seen a lot of fast starts. So I want to see those two things in the Iowa game. Brandon, anything to add? No. Now let's, let's move to our favorite yeah. segment. Yeah, let's do it. Word on campus. Word on campus. Let's do it. 
so uh, last la- last I don't know if we'll ever top last pod word on campus. You know, oh, Bill's yeah. famous line and what happened at Indiana. Um, but we talked a little bit about let, let's talk about so my fa- my least favorite I should say so in college basketball that the five years I spent playing college basketball was obviously. You're in college experience. for 17 years, bro. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, you have the nerve to talk about Bohannon. But there, I was only I was four and a half years. These dudes are doing like six and seven years because of COVID. Dog years. I swear. They got four degrees. So what I hated the most, though, and I see if you guys agree, loved and hated. But like, you remember that time? Like, you get back to school after the long summer working out, et cetera, and then you do some, you know, open gyms and get back acclimated and then you're just leading up to the day preseason conditioning starts mm. like you, you know obviously the day they tell you it's going to start but like every day you get closer to preseason conditioning you're like dreading it right like yeah. there was nothing like i was never and i never will be in as good a shape as i was in those four years when it's impossible like, post six the, weeks the conditioning the conditioning, conditioning college is nothing it, first of all, it makes no sense. It's impossible to get in shape for basketball unless you actually play basketball. Right. It's and like glorified for, boot camp. Yeah. Like, and for like, when people watch us, they're like, "Oh man, these guys are in shape. They they work out. They have no idea the stuff that they put you through <laughs> in college. Like, it's it's damn near. It's like, I don't I don't even want to use the word slavery. It's crazy what they put us through from. Conditioning on court to doing, you know, obstacle courses to doing the mile run to doing the Indian run, you name it. And it was all just straight fear for like several weeks at a time. I think there's rules now, though. I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but this I think we were in school, at least my first two or three years in school. There were no rules. These like rules where the coaches can be with you and stuff. Yeah. And it was like it was way worse. I don't know what it's like now. My senior year when Gross came after the after they got rid of Weber and and the staff, you know, Gross came. And that's like the only time where I think they like put limits. That was like the year they put limits on the time you could spend on the court with the coach. Mm -hmm. And still they found ways to they found loopholes, you know, figure that one out. They found loopholes. Yeah, I mean, Sam, you hit the nail on the head. I don't know if I've ever lost sleep like I used to lose <laughs> sleep before. The day before, uh, you know, fall conditioning starts. It's oh like the – we used to have this thing. Uh, Coach Weber made every team he ever had for 30 years do it. You had to test out of the mile, right? So guards had to run a mile in 530 and, and bigs. Didn't matter if you were, you know, seven one. Mike Tisdale. You had to run a, a mile in six minutes or less. And yeah. you ran it every morning until you made it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember Trent Meacham, who's phenomenal player, but he was just like, he was so <laughs> stocky for a guard. Like he was like, he, he was jacked. If you ever yeah, saw Trent yeah. with his shirt off, you'd be like, oh, that's an Abercrombie model. But <laughs> no, seriously. And he only ate like nuts and cherries. It was crazy. And and he he would run the mile like he had to run the mile like three weeks in a row like getting up at Every five a.m. yeah like going to the armory well, with they coach McClain until it's over with and right. so that's what scared the hell out of me is I used to like I used to dread it because I I my best miles ever were like five fifty and I had like ten seconds and that, I'm talking for me that was all out and these are and like coach, great starts too yeah and I'm like in the worst day of my life I swear was one time I had just like dove across I like blacked out and dove across <laughs> the line with like five seconds left and coach McLean came out was like you know how he is just walked out to the track and was like checking on everything that was going on and he was like no no, no Billy why would you be running that with a six minute pace you know you're a guard 
what, what else have you done with the bigs this year besides run the mile with them? And I was like, oh no, he's just messing with me, right? Like no chance. Like I thought, I truly thought I was like, well, I'm gonna have to transfer. There's no way I can run a 530 mile. Nah, bro, the miles were <laughs> they make so you redo outrageous. It? No, no, I, I somehow, I sweet talked my way out of it. I was like, I might as well just, I'll, I'll <laughs> just never quit. I'll ne- one, I'll never understand why we had to do that, which we'll, we'll ask Bruce <laughs> when we have him on. Um, I mean, I, I kind of get it, but um, I, I only had to do it obviously one year, but um, I just remember I was nursing, obviously, when was I not nursing an ankle injury, but I was just fresh off, you know, still in my like recovery from my surgery and whatnot. And I wasn't doing a, a ton with the team at the time. I was kind of doing mm-hmm. my own conditioning stuff, trying to ramp up. So I'm like, I'm, I'm out of the mile. Like they're not gonna make me run this. Like, there's no way they're gonna make me run this shit. Like I'm, I'm still like, got to get certain milestones with my ankle before I do something like crazy like that. And I'll never forget the day I walked in, um, you know, thinking I'm not going to run it, right? Everybody's getting ready to run it. And I walked in the training room and Al, shout out Al Martindale again, <laughs> was like, uh, you know, trying to get my treatment and whatnot. And he's like, hey, go get your stuff on. You know, we, we got the mile today. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, I'm, not, I'm running that? And he's like, <laughs> yeah, you can run it. And I'm like, I, like, are you serious right now? You, you really? And I'll never forget. I wasn't in shape or anything. So I wasn't prepared for this. So they made me run it, which was probably not a good thing. But I just remember... <laughs> be in the locker room before we went out there and I'm thinking to myself like I've never timed myself on a mile so I got to run this at 530 so I remember turning though and seeing DJ DJ's got like a a full thing of like nachos or cheese fries and this is like (laughs) mind you 10 minutes before we're going to run a mile and we got to do a guards 530 and bigs you know six whatever it was and he's just munching on cheese fries like all nonchalant (laughs) and of course he goes out there and runs it in like freak of nature yeah, it runs it in like four forty four or something. But I, I vaguely remember the only thing I tried to do in that thing, it was pure adrenaline that I made it. I ran it in five sixteen. Um That's ridiculous, was I tried to way. keep up with Brandon as much as I could for like the first two laps, not try to overdo it, but kind of stay at a steady pace with Brandon because I knew he'd make it. And then I like blacked out the th- the third lap and the fourth lap was like pure adrenaline and I somehow did it, but nah, I don't think I bro. did any conditioning for like four days after that. I can't believe they made me run that. It was it was crazy. And, and DJ was a freak of nature. Like he would just run it. He would just go out there and run it in like five minutes, five seconds. Uh, like he and, was jogging. Yeah. And like Bubba Chisholm was the other guy that would go out there. It would be him and DJ. Like before you came there, it would be like him and DJ. Like who's going to run it in the quickest time? And I missed it one time in my career. I missed it one time. And it was like, I, I think I got it in 530. And they literally walked up to me afterwards. It was just like, you should have beat 530. You're going to run it again. I was just like, yo, like this is this is asinine. Like, why are you guys making us do this? This is crazy. And sometimes we'll go out and run the mile, come back in, and they'd be like, all right, we got we got some stuff on the court. We would, we would run like 17 or like oh 10 and God. 10 and just, just like, what, are, what, what is this? What, what are we doing here? But the, the, the other things that they used to do is if you won – after like we we would come inside. If you won like sprints, we would do like a, a certain amount of sprints. If you won a certain amount, you would be able to finish. So I would like go out all out on the sprints, and I would finish with like with like Mike Davis. We we would like we would win a few. He would win a few, and I would be done. And I'm just like, yo, this is this is crazy. And then we get to the pro when you now as a professional, you don't do any of that conditioning stuff. Your conditioning is preseason and just playing five on five. And it's just like college was crazy. College was like literally the hardest my entire career it was it was ridiculous yeah i feel like it was also like somewhat detrimental because they overdo it so much in preseason yeah and i I think obviously coaches have a better grasp on it now but and i mean it's the strength and conditioning coaches are 
are light years ahead of, of where they were, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But I just feel like I'd be exhausted by like early February. It'd be shot. I used to, we used to joke and, with, and I feel with like our trainers. If we didn't do like the crazy six weeks of, like you said, Brandon, like the best way to get in shape is to play basketball and get Mm -hmm. up and down. That's the only way you can get in basketball shape. Now, I I get conditioning, like you got to do it, but some of it I feel like was just so overdone, and I found myself in like (laughs) mid-February like super (laughs) exhausted, and I I have to think it had something to do with all that shit we did before the season. Yeah. Well, you two were never on the – I was on the goddamn you got to make weight crew, like the two skinny (laughs) guys. And the biggest fallacy in the world was you'd come in, they'd be like, all right, Bill, you got to be 217 tomorrow. I'd come in at like 215 after trying to eat like six Arby's number fours. And, <laughs> and they make uh, you chug water. Well, no, well, they make me chug water and then they'd make us go run 6,000 miles. And they'd be like, why aren't you gaining weight? You're like, bro, I'm burning thousands of calories a day. I watched them it's for hours like, try to make Tisdale gain weight. And I'm just, at some point, I'm just like, yo, this kid's not gaining any weight. You, you can oh, give yeah. as many protein shakes as you want to. This kid is not gaining any weight. It's just his body. I'll never, I'll never forget. We used to shove, we used to go to the weight room before we weighed in and shoved like the little two and a half pounds up our <laughs> compression shorts. And like my senior, I, I got away with it for like a year and a half. And then like at the end of my senior year, one just like fell out right in front of Jimmy. And he's like, oh, Billy. Oh, he's like, he's like, I'll see you out at the track, buddy. And you're just like. <laughs> I couldn't wait. They like, couldn't wait until they caught you or something. Cause then they were like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm, about to, I'm about to kill this dude. And, and oh, they yeah. used to load up the plates on the bench press. And I would walk in like, Myers would be happy. Myers would be like, oh yeah, I'm ready to do this. And I would look at it. I'd be like, yo, I'm not Delvon Rowe. What do you want me to do with this four plates on, on each side? What do you want me to do with this? Right. This is not happening. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that stuff was wild. Um, I, I, it's just, I think it's so different now. Um, so, but to anybody that is watching, like we, we didn't just, contrary to what you believe, we didn't just go to school party and show up for practicing games and have a great time. Like, we did have a great time, but there was a lot and a lot of work involved in it. Um, but uh, all good stuff. So um, so to, to recap, uh, six out of the last seven for the Illini, right? So Illini fans flying high. Um, I think those Illinois loyalty message, message boards are lit up right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but some, some, some big games coming up, like we talked about. Um, this team is coming together. Uh, you can see it before our eyes. Um, Obviously not a finished product. You don't expect to be um, in early February. But um, I thought, Bill, a really good point you mentioned is is keep an eye on when Luke Goody's coming back and how they kind of get him acclimated back to the team. Um, but some good wins. Obviously, Matt Meyer has woken up. He's gotten very comfortable. Double figures in his, in his last eight games, I, I believe, besides that flu game. We'll, we'll throw that one in the trash versus Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, but they look good. Underwood seems to, seems to have the locker room back. Um, so good things coming. Uh, let's see what they do versus Iowa and that high octane offense, um, and how they handle that, that adversity and that, you know, cause they're going to go on runs and, and that crowd's going to be raucous. So see how they handle that. And, uh, we'll circle back and, and check with everybody. So again, thanks for joining, um, Billy and Brandon. Good seeing you guys again. Glad you're doing well. Um, good stuff today. Bringing the fire, bringing the heat. Um, We'll check back with you guys uh, here in a few days. Thanks for joining Champagne Room Hoops Podcast. See everybody. Beyond the Big Ten is a network of podcasts that aims to be your go-to resource for all things Big Ten. We cover the entire conference with shows hosted by ex-players and athletic alumni, aiming to be your go-to source of information and entertainment for your favorite team. 
hosted by ex-Big Ten players, media, and insiders. Our podcasts are focused on giving diehard fans and those alums an inside scoop about the teams and people that make the Big Ten Conference one of the most watched and most talked about conferences in sports. We're excited to talk Big Ten basketball with you wherever you may be. Subscribe now.